0: Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6 say this, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. And leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet, they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that that you would not allow us to be like those who heard and did not understand. But Lord, let us be your sheep. Let us hear your voice this morning as you speak to us through the text. Lord, as you speak to us through your word, you have told us that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word remains. Lord, let us hold on to your word today. Let us receive your word with the spirit of meekness, that it would be engrafted and become one with us, that it may save our souls. Lord, we we declare this morning that you are good and you alone are good. We thank you for what it is that you have to speak to your church this morning. Lord, we ask that you give us an ear to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Lord, that we would leave this place different than the way that we came in, that you would be glorified, and that your body would be edified. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we bless you. In the mighty, magnificent, and matchless name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. I know you guys were wondering what's going on. It was a little different, but I want us to really have our eyes open today to the text that we are reading Um, it's important, man. Like we, we're, we're living in, in some crazy times right now. Um, we just got done. Well, we thought we were done with this election situation and we still trying to figure out what's going on. We don't know what the next steps are. Some people are saying this, other people are saying that. And, uh, we, we still trying to recover and, and, and let the dust settle because there was so much stuff going on, not just in our country, but even within the body of Christ. So much division, so much argument, so many quarrels, all these warrings going back and forth, and I, I pretty much want to kind of uh, attribute that to uh, this phenomenon that's called cognitive dissonance. And you might be wondering, man, that's, that's kinda, that sounds like a, a very clinical t- term, it, it, and, and, and for somewhat in the psychology world, it, it is. And what it basically means is, is, is to make it simple, is, is basically hypocrisy. It's basically that, that, you, that you, you, you claim to have a certain set of values and beliefs, but your actions and your words represent something different. That's why I gave you guys an opportunity to, to, to lift up a praise in here to show that you really know what it is that you've been singing the last 15, 20 minutes that we've been in here in this building. To give you an opportunity to proclaim with your mouth what exactly it is that you proclaim to believe in your heart if you're still not familiar with what I mean by cognitive dissonance it means it means that it, it means when 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 he said in his scripture that that they honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me it also it also is something else that 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 where it says that there are those who who proclaim or show forth a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. In my mind, we saw in the last several months leading up to this, this one day that was supposed to be so pivotal and change everything that the church almost turned on itself and and, and ate its own. And here it is. Now that that day has passed, we still have to be the church. Some of us have ruined relationships over this thing called cognitive dissonance. But if you're here today and you've, you've experienced this phenomenon of of, of cognitive dissonance, where you've where you kind of been perplexed, you've kind of been in between two things, I don't blame you because it's not an easy thing for us to be in this world and not of it. It's not an easy task, and that's why Jesus was so adamant about us keeping our eyes on him, us holding on to his word, us abiding in him that he would abide in us so that we, this wouldn't be such a big issue for us. As the church, and what's funny about it is when you look through Scripture, as, as I was, I was, as I was looking through this this text, and I was, I was studying and preparing for this, it made me think of Peter. Peter was somebody that that was a perfect example of cognitive dissonance, so much so to the fact that he he proclaimed that. That Jesus, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Whatever it is that you do, I'm going to do. I ain't going to let nothing happen to you. When Jesus was laying out the script of, 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 of trying to get the disciples to understand that, look, I didn't come here to be your political leader. I came here to show you the kingdom and show you that I am Lord and King. But I'm not going to be like other kings and other leaders I have to, to show you what kind of leader comes from the kingdom that I'm of. And that leader is what I would like to entitle the message for this morning is the good shepherd. The good shepherd. And here it is, Peter is like, man, he's, he's like, Jesus, I'm, I'm your ride or die. I'm going to be with you. Wherever you go, like, nothing's going to happen to you. Even when Jesus was letting him know that, look, I must give up my life. The master has to go, and I have to lay down my life. And he said, Jesus, never. And Jesus being so focused on what his purpose was, which was to glorify God the Father, which was to obey God the Father, he turns to Peter and tells him, get behind me, Satan. Cognitive dissonance. He wants Jesus to be Lord and King, but he don't want nothing to happen to him. He doesn't want him to go forth and fulfill the purpose for what he was sent here for. And so part of the reason why many of us have struggled with this cognitive dissonance, why we've struggled with being in between two places is because we don't realize that we've been trying to function under dual citizenship. We've been trying to function under dual citizenship. I don't know if they, if we have anybody in here who has natural dual citizenship, but there are a lot of drawbacks to dual citizenship because if one of the places that you claim citizenship in has uh, uh, is at enmity with the other place that you have citizenship in, it puts you in a in a in a bad situation. And so, if you're not knowing what citizenship is, citizenship has to do with the fact of basically where you're naturalized at, where you're, where you're from. And many of you guys, like myself, will find myself placed in a situation where I have to make a decision whether I'm going to go about this thing from my earthly perspective or from my kingdom perspective. And so here it is. We have Peter who's constantly wrestling with this in his relationship with Christ. And in Philippians chapter one, it says this starting with verse 27 says above all you must live as citizens of heaven. Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose. Another translation says, and one mind, fighting together for the faith which is the good news. Don't be intimidated. In any way by your enemies, this will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. Can we look at the church honestly and say that that's the sign that we've shown and upheld over the last several months? No, we've been, we turned on, on each other and been eating, eating each other alive. Meanwhile, the world is still running amok, not realizing that there is a wrath to come. And here it is, Paul is telling the Philippians, the church, he's telling them that you guys need to be of one mind. You guys need to be on one accord, standing and fighting and defending the faith so it's a sign to unbelievers. So it's a sign to your enemies that there's a wrath to come but you will be saved. Part of the reason why we struggle with this cognitive dissonance, this, this conflict, we're conflicted about moving forward and, doing, and, and living out our purpose and doing what God has called us to do as the church is because, to be honest, we, we haven't really taken the first step And acknowledging, we just got done singing a song about that is who you are. We know who you are. You're a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. But yet we've been treating our candidates like that's who they are. Right? We've been treating our candidates like that's who they are. Like they're going to make a way for us. Like they got promises that they can keep to us. But yet we're in here singing to God that, no, that's who you are. And so Peter, on top of his discourse with Jesus about, no, Jesus, I won't let anything happen to you. Mind you, if you, if you travel forward and you see that, that Jesus is in the garden after he's asked them to watch and pray. And it was like too late for them when they finally got ready to, to, to go ahead and do what it is that he asked that the Sanhedrin, the soldiers come to get him and haul him off, that Peter comes out the cuts. Like, you wouldn't pray, but you're going to come out the cuts with a sword and chop some dude's ear off. And as you read and the story unfolds, Jesus heals the man whose ear was chopped off, and they still took him. And so here it is. Peter follows this band that takes Jesus off in this conspiracy. And Peter follows him from afar off. One minute he was ride or die with him, now he's following from afar off. And as he's following from afar off, like it's, it's, I mean, at least he's still following him. But he's following him now from afar off. And it says that as he goes inside, as Jesus goes inside and he's taken inside before the council to be judged and falsely accused, that it says that Peter stood by the door. And as Peter stood by the door, one of the guards was like, hey, weren't you one of his followers? And Peter's like, no, nah, I wasn't with him. And then, and, then, and then the story unfolds a little further and it tells us that at least around this time of year it was cold outside. And so as it was cold, he went over to where the rest of the enemy was, was warming themselves by the fire and now he's by the enemy's fire warming himself. And a girl, a little servant girl, comes and says, weren't you with Jesus? And he denies again cognitive dissonance. And then another time he's asked and, and, and he denies again for the third time as Jesus had told him he would do. And the rooster crowed. But what's so awesome about this story of cognitive dissonance is that only redemption from cognitive dissonance can come from the Redeemer. And when you follow through the story and you see that Jesus is crucified and dies a horrible death, he lays down his life, he he rises again, and he comes unto Peter and he tells Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. He says again, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord. Feed my sheep. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter at this time, he's like, he's, he's kind of frustrated because he's probably still living under the fact that I denied you three times. Not recognizing what's going on is the process of redemption from that. And he says, Lord, you know, you know, all, th- you know. He says, then feed my lambs. And then we go into Acts and we see that that Peter, the rock whom Jesus called, begins to build his church. He begins to build his church. And one of the things that I think is so great that I came across in Peter's ministry is where he says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 through 16, he says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, do- those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. He just answered the question as to how do we do we keep ourselves from falling into the trap of cognitive dissonance. He says you got to first sanctify the Lord God in your heart. You see, I think that, that Peter understood this better than most of us here could understand this. And that's why he penned it, because he understood what it was that when the heat came down. When the heat came down, his hope was in Christ. But when the heat came down, he realized that it looked like his hope was lost. He may have had Jesus Christ sanctified in his mind, but it wasn't in his heart. You see, the mind easily forgets. That's why we're, we're commanded to renew our mind constantly renew our mind. It needs to be renewed. There's a difference between a renewal and a creation. We can ask God to create in us a clean heart, but it's our job to renew our mind. And so therefore, since it's our job to renew our mind, we have to allow Christ to be sanctified in our heart first so we can give an answer how did Peter say Peter said this because he knows that questions are going to come and when the questions come and the heat is brought down you better be able to give an answer for the hope that you have when he was questioned he couldn't give an answer for the hope he had because Christ was not sanctified in his heart only in his mind do you realize that each and every one of us exists in about a thousand different worlds in the minds of people that know us. Only few people really know us for who we are, but we exist in worlds of the minds of people that we know because they take what they know of us and then they make up the world about who we are in their mind. And I'm sure Peter did the same thing with Jesus. Like, even though he kicked it with Jesus for three years of his life. And he completely didn't, didn't completely understand all of the things that Jesus was teaching him about the kingdom. That he kind of like just fabricated and made up some stuff in his mind. About who Jesus was and, and how things were going to go and, and what it was. And then when he's, when his world was shaken And he realized that this ain't turn, this is not looking the way that I thought it was gonna turn out. The dissonance comes in. My belief system is shaking. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. Do you realize that that, a lot of people talk about how God created everything and on the seventh day he rested and he's just resting. But Jesus told us, he says, I'm doing the works of my father and my father is always working. My father is always working. So therefore the son does what the father does. And when you see me, you see seen the father. Listen, it is our job as the church, to get rid of our citizenship here to the earth. Or else we'll forever be plagued with, with, this, with this cognitive dissonance. We'll forever be plagued with, with, with this being, being stuck between two decisions. As the, as the Bible talks about the valley of indecision. Let's go back to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And we're talking about the good shepherd because that's who he has to be sanctified as in our hearts. The light and the darkness. Look, one of the things that, that we fail to realize, I mean, we, we look at Christianity, we look at our faith through our are arrogant American lenses. Can I say that? Did I I trigger anybody? We're we're so spoiled here in America that the doors of the church are open right now. I understand that we got coronavirus and stuff going on or whatever. And I know that some people have, 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 have died from it. But there's been multitudes of many who have recovered from it. And here it is, we live in a country where we can worship God openly and freely. But yet, many people who have fallen victim to cognitive dissonance proclaim one thing, but they're finding any excuse not to come. Or they fear man more than they fear God. It's crazy to think that through our, our, our arrogant American lenses that we have control over anything. I think that's, more, that's, that's why we're, we're more prone to want a president than we are to want a lord and king. Because with the president, I can make suggestions and I can say what it is that I want and I can lobby and I can put in petitions and I can protest and demand. But when it comes to Lord and King, it's not a democracy, it's an autocracy, meaning that he is the law, he has the last say, so his word goes. So... The problem is, at the end of the day, is that we have the wrong view of who he is and a wrong view of who we are. So, imagine this. I know we watch movies and stuff like that. There's been, like, many movies done, like, on, on uh, wars and battle and everything and and... You see, like, you've seen the old Vietnam movies where, you know, they're they're in the choppers and all these soldiers are being dropped off in the middle of the bush. But imagine you, by yourself, no weapons, by yourself, just you and God, dropped off in the bush in the middle of the night. Do you realize that there are many of us who believe that we would be able to survive and get out of there alive because of our arrogance? Well, I need you to understand and realize that that's exactly what has happened to you here right now. That you're in the bush, you and God, and you're still dependent upon yourself. Rather than being dependent upon Him, because our American lenses are so focused on independence that we think that that we're entitled to independence, which means that that we can have freedom, but also be free from Him. When the independence that we have in this country frees us to be independence of Him. And so we need to have a proper perspective of who he is and who we are and sanctify him as such in our hearts. So that way when the questions come, when the heat comes down, that we can give an answer. Not for what party we represent. Not for what our ideals and philosophies are, but for the hope that we have. John chapter 10, verse 7. Jesus continues on, and he says this. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Can somebody say amen? When you look up what he talks about the thief, comes to steal. The thief that he's talking about in the Greek The word is kleptis. Does anybody know what a kleptomaniac is? He said all the ones that came before me were kleptomaniacs. They were trying to snatch up everything that didn't belong to them. They were trying to steal the, I mean, they were trying to steal the flock. But those who belong to me didn't follow them because they know my voice. I know them by name and they know me. The thief only comes to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That means that you don't need to be anybody's constituency in order to get your needs met. Sanctify him as the good shepherd in your heart. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep. And am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Here we go, this oneness again. The unity. Paul wrote to the Philippians. He says, I want to know that you guys are in one mind, one accord. Defending the faith. Here it is. Jesus is saying that he wants the flock to be one. And one with the shepherd. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command... I have received from my father. Therefore, it was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem and it was winter And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Listen. As sheep, we are to follow. Here in our American culture, we don't like being referred to as sheep. Everybody wants to be a beast, right? And that's great when you're in the gym. That's great when you're on the field. That's great if you're in the corporate world. But in the kingdom, in the kingdom, the Lord is my shepherd. I am his sheep. He calls me by name and I follow him. Listen, while y'all was playing donkeys and elephants the last several months, you forgot your nature of being a sheep. We got in these debates and forgot that we were to be the sheep of his pasture. We got caught up listening to other voices. Voices of of hollow and empty promises. Thinking that it was going to be our way maker. Our miracle worker. The promise keeper. The light in the darkness. One of the things I need you guys to understand about our shepherd when you read a few chapters before in John chapter 3 or John yeah John chapter 3 where it talks about that Jesus was the light who came into the world we just read in the text that it talked about that that as the Jews were questioning him about who he was that he was he was being questioned during the feast of dedication If you know anything about the Feast of Dedication, that wasn't one of the Mosaic feasts that were originated in the Old Testament. It was something that came about further along in in their traditions and stuff. And basically what it was is what we know today as Hanukkah. And if you know anything about Hanukkah, it's about the Messiah being the light, the bringer of light. And here it is, they're speaking to the light of the world. But due to their cognitive dissonance, that they celebrate these feasts, that they do all of these rituals, that they do all these traditions, that they come to church Sunday after Sunday, that they come to church on Tuesday night, but yet they're face-to-face with the word and they don't recognize it because of cognitive dissonance. Because it's not sanctified in their heart. Well, we need to understand that, that Christ, as the good shepherd, as our good shepherd, as being sanctified in our hearts as the good shepherd, and we being his sheep, that, it, that though he, he came to give us life and life more abundantly, that doesn't make us immune to the effects of the world that we live in. It doesn't mean that the person that we vote for is always going to end up in office. That the laws that are being passed are always going to benefit us. Nor does, it, nor does it free us from the person that we didn't want to get in the office to, to, to not pray for them. Because that's the other thing that I've been seeing that, that shows, you think that it shows that, that, that you're being spiritual, but it really doesn't. You, you, because you, you posted that, well, oh, we need to pray for our country. Wait, you wasn't praying for our country already? You wasn't already praying for our country? Oh, because, because there's a changing of the guard, now you want to pray. No, you should have been praying. Why? Because his people are, are people of prayer. His house is to be a house of prayer. So, so you mean to tell me that just because the, 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 the candidate that, that got in there is not who you chose, that, that you're all of a sudden going to lead a revolt? Dual citizenship. Cognitive dissonance. Because I'm going to tell you what, affirmative action or not, my God has been a, ma- a way maker. I've gotten things that I don't deserve. I've gotten things that people said I was the wrong color for. Because why I don't operate and function under an earthly kingdom, I operate and function under the kingdom that is eternal. If, If God, who does not really care about elections, who doesn't really care about which sports team wins, Doesn't really care about a lot of the earthly things that we hold in such high regard. Tells one of his his, his disciples. Matter of fact, it was Peter. He tells Peter, he says, Peter comes to him because they were at the temple. And one of the temple tax collectors came to Peter and says, does your master pay taxes? And Peter goes to Jesus. And before Peter could utter a word, Jesus says, Whose, whose image is on the coin? And he tells him it's Caesar. Render to Caesar what's due to Caesar. He said, does a king tax those that he's conquered or does he tax citizens? He, tax, he taxes those that he's conquered. He's like, all right, well, just so we don't offend them, because I know I'm not conquered, because I'm the king of kings, but just so we don't offend them, Go on down to the fishing hole, open up the the first fish that you catch, open his mouth. There'll be a coin in there to pay the tax for me and you. We're talking about a way maker. We're talking about a promise keeper. We're talking about someone who makes a way out of no way. He calls things that aren't as though they were and they come into being. A lot of us get it twisted and we think that, that Jesus came to make bad men good, but no, he came to make dead men live. And he is our shepherd, and we are his sheep. And being that we're not immune to this, the things of this world that we live in, we should notice that the teaching of this verse is not that believers will be saved from all earthly disasters, but that they will be saved no matter what earthly disaster may befall them. Can I say it again? We should notice... That the teaching of this verse is not that believers will be saved from all earthly disasters, but that they will be saved no matter what earthly disaster may befall them. We are in his hand and we can't be plucked out. Because he will not lose anyone that's been given to him. But we have to sanctify him in our hearts. And we need to be reminded of this constantly on a daily basis remember it's it's his job to create in us a clean heart it's our job to renew our mind there's an interconnectedness between our mind and our heart and our body that's why we're commanded to worship him with all of it and that's what the enemy plays on is the disconnect between Thus, we have all kinds of sin and foolishness. But it's important for us as believers, as the sheep to the good shepherd, that we keep our eyes stayed on him. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever in a world that is constantly changing its terrain from one thing to another. It's important that we keep our eyes stayed on him. Not that we put our hope and our trust in, in, in our family. I mean, this is, this, is the, this is the year of, or the time of year that we celebrate Thanksgiving. And the government's trying to infringe and impose its, 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 its demands and its will on that. It's already trying to divide us as families. But here's the problem is, is, is that if we had been family to each other all year long and not just wait for a season... Many of us got been out, char- out of shape about church doors closing. But if we had been to church outside of the doors all year long. That's how unbothered he wants us to be by this. Because we know that this is not where we are citizens. We are only travelers that are passing through. We are only pilgrims. We are aliens in this place. Until he calls us home. Systemic racism, yes, yeah, real. Injustice, yes, yeah, real. But I live according to a system that does not govern my life by man made systems that have been put into place to advantage certain people. Why? Because the earth belongs to the Lord in the fullness thereof. That means even the fools that make the rules. It all belongs to God. The question is, is do you belong to him? Do you belong to him? As I come to a close, I just need us to understand in keeping the proper perspective of seeing him as the Shepherd. And we as a sheep, sheep are, are basically utterly helpless animals. They wander. They get caught up in, 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 in thickets and mess and they have to be rescued. They're prone to diseases, just like we're prone to sin. And they can't save themselves, no matter how hard they try. That's why we need the shepherd. That's why he gives us the illustration that he is the good shepherd. He's not a hireling. He's not somebody that's being paid. He paid to be the shepherd. He laid down his life and took it up again so that way we would have hope. So that way we would receive salvation, that we would be saved from ourselves and we would be saved from the wrath to come. He didn't save us to be getting caught up in arguments and debates about man made governments and kingdoms and and regimes. He saved us so that way we could be a representation of his kingdom here on this earth, that we would be his ambassadors. So I present to you this morning for you to decide. Maybe you've been in here wrestling with the fact of, of, of giving up your dual citizenship. I know it's hard. But how hard do you think it was? For Jesus, who, who, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but denied himself all of his godly attributes so that way he could come here and dwell among us so that way we would have a high priest who empathizes and was subjected to the things that we are subjected to in the flesh only to not sin and pay the ultimate price for sin so that way we could be reconciled to God while we were enemies with him If you're in here this morning and you have great need I want you to know that there's a great Christ for your great need if you're in here this morning and you're wondering man I don't know how I'm going to make it I need you to understand Psalms 23 verse 1 I want to leave you with this the Lord is my shepherd I have all that I need the Lord is my shepherd I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. That means that if you have him, you have everything that you need. That means if you're in need of healing, if you have him, you have healing. That means if you're in need of restoration, if you have him, you will be restored. But he has to be sanctified in your heart as Lord and shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. When David wrote that, he wrote the fact that he's writing from a perspective of being a shepherd himself. He says the same way that I will put myself in danger for these sheep to protect them and to keep them from harm, to rescue them from the holes that they get themselves into, to rescue them out of the thickets that they get caught up in. God is that to me. not that to me from afar off no it says that the Lord is my shepherd meaning that it's ownership that he's allowed me to claim ownership of him and he has ownership of me so if you're in here today if you're listening today I need you to understand and and, and, and know this that if you give up your citizenship here on earth for citizenship in the kingdom you'll have everything that you need Don't allow yourself to fall into the deception that your earthly needs are what's more important because it's the things that are eternal that are going to sustain you. And we only get that in sanctifying Jesus Christ as Lord and shepherd in our hearts that he belongs to us and we belong to him. Amen? Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Give God some praise. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are the good shepherd. We thank you that you are our shepherd. You've allowed us to take ownership. But Lord, we want to give up our earthly citizenship. That we would take refuge in your kingdom. That we would be your kingdom people, your citizens, the sheep of your flock. Lord, I pray right now that if there be anybody under the sound of my voice, Lord, who does not know you as Lord and King, that does not know you as Savior, that they would repent and believe and be saved father we thank you for saving us in such a time as this lord we know that no matter who goes into office no matter who is 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 governing our our country our state locally whatever it is lord those that 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 are in authority that are over power lord that you have power over them that you have the power to turn the hearts of kings lord And that you are on the throne. But most importantly, Lord, we declare that you are on the throne of our hearts. Lord, we thank you for giving us ears to hear your voice. For you are our good shepherd. You call us by name. We hear you and we follow only after you. I thank you that we hear your voice clearly and the voice of a stranger would not be able to to pull us away, Lord. Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord. I pray for anybody in here that that needs healing right now, Lord, that you would touch them where they're at. Those that are battling sickness in their body, battling sickness in their mind, Lord, I pray right now that the blood of Jesus would cover them from the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet. Lord, that you would care for them as the good shepherd does. Lord, that just as the good shepherd examines the sheep, one by one Lord that you would examine them Lord and that you would heal their wounds that you would restore them Lord I thank you for reconciliation in this place I thank you for restoration in this place I thank you for salvation in this place I thank you for healing in this place Lord I thank you for breaking addiction in this place Lord I thank you right now for your power the power of your blood in this place Lord, we thank you. We agree for this. In the mighty, matchless, and magnificent name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Give God some praise. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's TBCF.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.